Well, hello and welcome to the Growth Adventure podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Appel. I am uh, thrilled to be joined today by the president and CEO of Greater Indianapolis Habitat for Humanity, Jim Morris. Jim, welcome. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate uh, you taking the time and having me on. Absolutely. Obviously, we all are very well aware of the great things that Habitat is doing and thrilled to have a chance to partner with you from time to time. But before we get in, maybe if you could give people just kind of a brief background on on you as well as uh, the organization. Yeah, thanks. So for me, the week is actually my 10th year uh, anniversary for serving in this role. I uh, couldn't be more uh, privileged to, to be in this role. And uh, Habitat for Humanity has been in the greater Indy area for 34 years. And overall, of course, worldwide, we've been around since 1976. So I got started, really burst onto the scenes in a big growth way throughout the country around the early 80s. And that's when it kind of exploded as a movement for affordable housing. And then India obviously joined that in in. Since then, we've been focused on providing and preserving home ownership throughout that time. Well, the issue of housing security is obviously right up there with food security when it comes to just basic human needs. For those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with Habitat, could you maybe give people a brief overview of your model, the number of people you serve, kind of those basics? Yeah, absolutely. I think the area that we're obviously known by are the volunteer and the community engagement which is a huge part of, of our existence. And so when you see our mission and in the center, really the core of it, it says we bring people together to build homes, community, and hope. And that bringing people together is really at the heartbeat of who we are. Because when you look at this, what we've essentially done is created a market for those to attain home ownership where it doesn't exist. So the individuals and families that are coming to us to purchase through us are want to have home ownership, but right now, either through income limitations, or they might have had some credit history in the background, or, or something is preventing them from being able to go to the market to be able to afford to purchase a home. And what we've seen, of course, more recently, obviously, even in Indy, but across the country is housing prices going really through the roof. It's a supply-demand issue, clearly. And uh, that is furthering that gap of those who can pursue ownership. And we're really using ownership in this sense of helping to transform someone's life through stability, that stability that we all know in the core of our being that a home provides. And that's really what this means. There's so many things that it can affect and impact that whether it's through health, improvement of education of both families' kids, or even how an owner may pursue further education. It's things like they actually now have an asset that they can build upon generationally uh, that has been so vital to the growth of middle America in the U.S. Ownership of homes has been the key uh, catalyst many times to building assets and building wealth. And we're actually providing that access through what we do and through the partnering of uh, the community. So in many sense, the community coming around, the families are asking us and inviting us in and saying, walk along with us so that we can achieve this goal. And Habitat helps to educate them through pre-home buying training, everything on how to own a home and be successful long term. And then they participate on their own home. So they're volunteering on their own home and others' homes. 
as well. And then they're purchasing this at through us. We act as the mortgage organization as well. And they then have a zero percent interest that they're accessing for the life of the loan, which is really that that sort of that's triggering moment that they can then uh, have the ability to have the cash flow and, and build upon the stability and, and the strength of that home. Uh, the, the cynical capitalist listening to you would say 0% interest. Uh, you must have an a, a extraordinary default rate. What is your experience in the, the 10 plus years you've been with Habitat? Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. I think that it's one of the questions we get more frequently because people want to know what it, what's the success. And so over the course of the 33 years, we actually, we track because we're the mortgage, we're tracking delinquency rates every day like a bank would. And so we're actually usually on par or sometimes beating the rates at the state or the national level for delinquency rates. Over the time that we've, what happens if somebody cannot any longer afford their home and have, and we have to take that back, Habitat will take the home back, repurpose that home and, and place another family in that home so that there's another opportunity. We'd love 100% success. That's likely unattainable, but we've shown that we're near 90% success rate over the 34 years. And that takes into account that a majority of the families that struggled uh, to meet the ownership after the 2008 recession really hit hard. Uh, and that's when we saw an uptick in foreclosures for us. And so as did the rest of the community. So our most vulnerable population wasn't immune from the the effects of that uh, recession at all. Well, that, those are amazing statistics. And you, you touched on community earlier. I'd be interested to know how over the course of time, that relationship with your homeowners builds into that community, both you know locally as well as with within the, the broader organization. I've mentioned that part of our mission to bringing people together and what we have seen is the community likes to surround those who are seeking to pursue this home ownership. So the, when we go through, say, for example, the pre-home buying training, they're working in kind of a classroom environment and they are, we do it in a semester. So they're going through, of course, this is all pre-COVID, they're going together in a classroom and they may be learning together with an actual neighbor. Uh, that they've now met and get to go through in the classroom. So we really emphasize the relationship, the focus on the fact that you're building a small community within us, but then you're going to be a part of a larger neighborhood and a community. So encouraging and helping to bridge relationships with neighborhood associations before they enter in so that they can feel a part and involved in the community that they're going to ultimately be in. Each family and individual is different, clearly, in their aspirations. Some are looking at this, like many of us, and they just want a quiet home to be able to raise and strengthen their family. Others want to get entirely involved, and we've seen those who have taken on leadership roles and neighborhood associations, and they really want to see the neighborhood grow in terms of how they see they can connect. So it's a variety of ways in which they impact, not unlike the rest of the neighborhoods that you may see people get involved in as homeowners. And you were doing work throughout central Indiana, correct? That's correct. Yes. So how, how do you help build bridges with the broader neighborhoods that you are doing builds in, right? Because I'm sure you face resistance where, you know, some people might have a misconception about what Habitat for Humanity is or who will be occupying that residence. How do you build that? How do you engage the broader community, you know, in which your families are going to be living? It's definitely a, an ongoing 
conversation. It's an ongoing education. And I feel, Andrew, that I, I could probably do this uh, all day, every day. And that's why I appreciate you inviting me in because there's a huge misperception that if you're putting workforce or attainable, those home ownership, the families that are there, that A, they wouldn't maybe take care of their home or they're not going to uh, be able to be there successfully. And, and we did some impact research back in 17, 18 uh, that showed actually the real difference is they, the families uh, stay a long time or forever in these homes. Uh, we've had over 125 households now pay off their mortgages because we're at that spot where a 20 or 30 year mortgage is, is coming due. So they're, they're paying it off and they now fully own this home. Like many of us hope to uh, get to at one point in our own lives, if you own a home. Uh, so we're really working on partnerships. So we always look at ourselves as a part of the thread and, and woven into a, the fabric of a community, even if we're not, say, extremely granular and localized as an organization. Uh, so we look to the neighborhood associations. We ask to uh, see who else is partnering in the neighborhood, whether it's a community development corporation. It could be, we have plenty of folks in the community development world, Indianapolis Neighborhood Housing Partnership. You have Renew Indy. You've got the city of Indianapolis. You've got the counties that we're involved in. There's a real sense now regionally and understanding that affordability, attainability of home ownership is a real need. And I've never quite even in my tenure seen the uh, understanding and appreciation of this to the level I've seen now. No, that's, I would agree with you. And I think the recent action in the Indiana legislature around restrictions around rentals, I think has highlighted for a lot of us, some of the real disparities our most vulnerable fellow citizens face when it comes to not just housing affordability, but just basic needs. So the fact that you have 170 plus homeowners who now have that generational wealth transferability through the full ownership of the home is just amazing. I'd be curious, and I think you certainly are keenly aware of the need. What is what is the biggest restriction to Habitat being able to, to partner and serve more families? Yeah, I, I hate to go with the more obvious answer. Funding is always the big key. Uh, it's an expensive mission that we live into. Land is getting more expensive, as you might expect. We saw, you know, material costs go through uh, the roof last year, lumber in particular. So it's an area that all builders, Habitat not being exclusive in this by any means, are seeing costs go up. Labor challenges for our when we have to hire the contracted labor. So you're in, a, you're in a space that is extremely expensive to fulfill and is not going to see a reverse in that. So funding is a truly, and then land and or homes to rehab and finding the right homes to be able to do so, so that we can pursue increasing the ability to meet the demand that is, is out there. Those are probably well, let, two of the, the biggest. So let's touch on that uh, diffuse uh, revenue needs a little bit, because from a leadership perspective, the whole model is decentralized, right? Even from the build on up, you have volunteers, companies like us, individuals, obviously you have your build teams, you have the families, you have the, the trades that are coming in and out. That's just one example of it. But then when you look at the Habitat model in general, right, you are running the enterprise here in central Indiana. What are some of the, the leadership struggles that you didn't anticipate when you took the role over 10 years ago? And what are some of the biggest things that you really feel like you've grown as a leader because of? 
Yeah, I would say that I would have anticipated I'd, the things that I've mentioned. Funding is always an issue, land, uh, these things that were definitely there. I think one of the areas that I would have, I didn't expect is the uh, challenges of working across a geography that is as large as Marion or, or as we stretch into the metro. And the various challenges, whether they be zoning differences or on a more granular level, or even the ability to work across and work together and work towards something. And how do we define that? What are we all working in the community development space and in that place? And what is our role in that? And how can we complement anyone else who's in that role? And how do we strengthen that through our existence? Our name is obviously... Uh, very well known. And then translating, I think the second thing in there is translating, we're, we're really well known. But then you, if you ask actually why we exist, what really do you think the purpose of our world is? There, That's where oftentimes the connection isn't there. So working to educate on why we actually exist and what the ultimate purpose is there has been something that has been both rewarding and challenging as we look to to grow our impact in that way. So I've, I've learned as a leader to navigate uh, a little more in that space of, I have a, I just have a bent towards wanting to see a strong continuum working alongside each other. We're in basketball season. Indiana's getting ready to host the entire March Madness for the first time, which is fantastic. And a uh, big basketball fan. So it's I see this sort of symbiotic sense of, you know, when five players are on a court, you know where each other are and where your strengths are. Not everybody is six foot ten and on the team and has different strengths. So I think if what I've learned is how to help how to bring that and build those bridges to get to that space. Nonprofits obviously are not looking to measure themselves at the end of a year based on what they have earned from a revenue standpoint, but what they've netted, we're looking to see what we've done impact-wise. And the the it's it, it can sense to be a model of scarcity. I've mentioned funding, for example. I'm a thorough believer in the theory of abundance, and it's about accessing resources. So I, I look at how we look to each other in the community to move forward together. Uh, so that's really the part that I, I'm still learning. How do we be a leverage for that as Habitat? Mm-hmm. And how do we encourage others in that space? Both, like Gregory Powell, those who are incredibly strong-minded community companies who see this need and want to come alongside mission-based organizations, and just the other nonprofits who look to each other's shoulder and want to say, yeah, but I, I, I also need funding. And mm-hmm. we say we need funding. And and there's only so much funding. And, and so if we can all figure a way, and I'm not trying to be Pollyanna in this, I'm just simply thinking that it, there's such a demand, Andrew, in this space that it can sometimes feel overwhelming. I had somebody ask me, well, if it's such a big problem, how are we ever going to fix it? And I, and if you look back historically, the fact that African-American homeownership isn't any better than it was 50 years ago, we've made no no strides in that area. And so to throw your hands up and say, oh, we didn't make any strides. Let's not pursue it. Of course not. Uh, This is a moment to say, look, it's still there. We've got to get better at figuring out how to meet these demands in this present. And it's not as though Indy lacks for talent and vision. 
clearly we're hosting the entire March Madness and only we can do that. We've proven this kind of thing. So we can do these kind of things. It's how do we get together and, and strengthen each other in that way? Yeah, uh, we can do big things when we work together. And I love that you're viewing it not as a finite set of resources, but an infinite one if we choose to pursue it that way. So no, knowing that obviously you want to see the entire community grow, thrive, see increased home ownership rates from all of our, our black and brown fellow citizens. Is there an area of the city that for 2021 you're particularly focused on? Uh, because we're in four counties, we tend to work pretty broadly across neighborhoods. So our emphasis is on the individual and family that's pursuing home ownership. And so there are lots of determinants for their future success. There's the training I mentioned, and they may have a, a desire to be in a part of our community, whether it's because of family or other interest schools. And so we'll work to try to find as best we can the part of, of the community to find that, that opportunity for them. So we're really working from less of a neighborhood focus and more of a, how do we come alongside the families and, and be in neighborhoods that will help them grow and help them uh, achieve what they're uh, looking to achieve and then coming alongside. So we're probably in a dozen neighborhoods throughout Marion County, specifically in this year. The pandemic obviously did interrupt plans like so many, but yeah, we're not in any one particular area that draws attention particularly. And so since you mentioned the, the P word, the pandemic, how long did it take you to figure out how to get back in the field and get back in the field safely to continue to do the mission work that, you know, is so core to, to who Habitat is? Boys, right? That's this time of year last year had come up and, and we ended up pushing out remotely as an employee base at the end of March. I would say we were up back around June of last year. We started to figure out potential ways to essentially set up an environment that would be safer and would adhere to. We had to learn. We attached ourselves really to the CDC and to the state and anchored there and then understood we weren't the experts. So we had to change how we do this and be open to and sensitive to it, whether anyone wanted to engage in volunteerism during that time. Many did not, and we completely uh, appreciated and understood that. Those who did, we were able to have work that was outside. We were at a time of year where it would be outside. You'd be physically distanced and wearing masks and doing the necessary important things to keep everyone safe. And we were able to do that. So we rolled that out towards um, the end of summer, right at the beginning of the fall. Got a great response for those who were comfortable being able to do that. And we lessened the amount of homes we were able to provide. We were still able to provide homes at a pace that, that we we were able to at least get to that we in March, we didn't think we were going to get to at all. That's, that's encouraging to hear that even though it wasn't what you thought going into the year that you were still able to help serve families. So one, one last question for you before we get to the lightning round. So I, I mentioned earlier that Habitat's a very diffuse organization. What is the interaction like with your peers around the country, around the world? Are you sharing best practices? How do you leverage that network effect that is so much a part of that community that you referenced earlier? Yeah, I'm actually incredibly grateful for that part of our work. I'm connected to 
other larger metro area cities. We have a consortium of leadership in the Midwest. So whether it's Cincinnati, St. Louis, Chicagoland area, Cleveland, Milwaukee, we get together regularly. We share information regularly because we're dealing with similar cities, similar housing stock, similar demands, similar histories many times. So a lot of times we're just trying to help learn from each other on what might be able to work, may not work. Sometimes in our markets, it may. So I, I gain a lot from that and built some really incredible relationships across the country that way. Many don't know. So we're in Habitat in about 70 countries worldwide. We partner and we have relationships. Each affiliate, as we're known by in the United States, connects and has a relationship is encouraged to do so internationally. So we've had a relationship with El Salvador for a number of years, and we both take money and provide funding to and through El Salvador. And then we also each year would go and take a team of donors, board members, staff to go down and work alongside our friends in El Salvador uh, to just have that sort of world shrinkage moment where you see the need in a different perspective. And, uh, and last year, we were actually able to travel just before the pandemic shut down all travel and we were able to take a team uh, that's obviously been put on hold. But we keep that key relationship, with, which I think gives you an amazing perspective on the need that is worldwide. But we have a huge need in our own backyard, but there's a different, but also incredibly important need that is worldwide as well that we see. I, I, I can only imagine that uh, U.S.-based affiliates learn a lot from their international peers that, you know, the, the need is universal, but the resources aren't. And probably to see the entrepreneurial nature and ingenuity of your peers in, in the El Salvador's of the world is probably pretty inspirational. Andrew, you you touched on it exactly. I, I had a uh, quick story. I had a moment when I was down on a global village trip and I was we were at the site and the local contracted individual that was doing the concrete. Uh, so these are block homes uh, that we were participating on and we would mix the concrete by hand when they didn't have a local mixer on. And he was using uh, to level the floor. He was using a clear plastic tube with water. In it. Totally works. Totally perfect. I'm I'm coming in with my. We could have just bought you a level if you needed a level. So I placed my my U.S. my mindset of I can go get you that. We have the resources to get you a level. And was able to communicate that this was just a way it passed down from his father. This is the way he knew how to do it. And it was a humbling moment to say, look, I don't have to impart what I think is right here. And I was I sat back and was able to learn some things and bring those back uh, to our affiliate. So a uh, humbling moment for me, but also one of great, just great learning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we uh, we close with an opportunity for uh, you to tell people how they can learn more about Habitat, we'll got four quick questions in the lightning round here. There are no wrong answers, just long answers. So <laughs> first question for you is, what would we find on Jim Morris's uh, car radio? You would probably find you too right now. All right. Octum Baby, one, what, 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 uh, one did, you know, what did it? I'm going all, it's on my Pandora, so I'm all in. I'm of the era when it was in the 80s, uh, you know, Joshua Tree. So I've seen you two probably five times already live. So that's keeping me going right now. Love it. Uh, so what book would we find on your bedside table or your e-reader? Uh, actually, right now, I just started The Color of Money, a new book out on the banking system and the history relative to African-Americans, in particular, and people of color. I will probably cue that one up. Cats or dogs? 
Dogs. We have two of them. And uh, last question, this one's a little bit more serious, is uh, what is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? Best piece of advice uh, that I've been given? I, I, man, I've had so many, but that ultimately that it's not about me. I had a mentor that basically said, the more you focus on the work and the more you pay attention to what it is that you're actually doing and pay less attention uh, to what is it about you, the more successful you're going to be because you're going to be focused on either the people that you're uh, trying to support or the team that is helping you do. So that would definitely be the best that I've, I've, I've taken seriously. That is a great way to transition into where would uh, you direct people who are listening to this to uh, learn more? about Habitat or get involved? There's always the website. It's a great resource, a comprehensive resource, and that's at Indy, I-N-D-Y, Habitat.org. You can find out how to participate. You can find out how to contribute financially and, and learn how to get your, your company or your house of worship involved. That's one way. You can call us, uh, 317-921-2121. You can also obviously connect and get we have restores. Our restores are thrift uh, stores that uh, repurpose home goods and various house products, uh, doors, windows, kitchen cabinets, all those kinds of things you can find through those stores. Those products help drive our revenue so that we can do more. There are five stores that we now operate in central Indiana. So those are a great way to connect in either by donating or by purchasing uh, at those stores as well. Well, thank you. Jim Morris, it's been a pleasure to have you on this. Obviously, uh, we can't wait to see what amazing things uh, Habitat of Central Indiana continues to do. And just thank you for joining. Andrew, truly appreciate it. Really do.